69 offense. He was giving them the business. I like Pittsburgh, I always have. If, if they had a bigger airport, I'd live here. <laughs> and that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Playoffs? What talk about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Backyard Football Podcast. This is episode 10 and I'm Nick Hosshalter. And I'm Nathan Grella. Welcome again. And today we have a bit of a different episode. This is our season recap. Um, you probably listened to our mid-season recap. Uh, maybe you listened to our preview episode at the beginning of the year. This is going to be a similar format. It's not our typical picks against the spread. Um, we'll talk about previous week's games. We'll go into some little bit of discussion about what we're expecting for next year, but it's going to be a little different. Do you want to go into a little more detail about yeah, what we're, we're doing today? Yeah, we're just going to be running through the two conferences that we're covering, um, the Tri-County South and the Interstate slash Century, discussing the um, rank, final rankings of the year between the teams and uh, kind of giving a little bit of a pr- early preview for what we think each team will be like next year. Um, especially some of those lower teams that didn't make the playoffs, going through some of their seniors that graduated, what they're bringing back, and how what, how, how we think they'll perform next year. Yes. So um, this is going to be a fun one. It might be a little bit on the long side, but it should be good, and we hope you stay for the whole thing. Yeah. Or we'll probably just do time codes, and you can look up your yeah. own individual team. And if you've done that, you're not listening to this, so let's move on. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's roll into the Tri-County South, shall we? All right. Um, we're going to go through the rankings um, at the end of the season and talk a little bit about each team's season. First of all, one of the premier teams we've been covering all year, the dominant West Green Pioneers. Um, they recently won at Union Area to cap off their season with a 59-26 to beatdown. Nothing unusual there for the Pioneers. And the question is, have the Pioneers shown enough improvement um, after their loss to Claritin to make a deep run into the playoffs? Um, I think they have. One thing that we saw uh, in that loss to Claritin was them getting overpowered on both sides of the ball. Um, I think we've seen enough from Corey Wise in these last few like tune-up weeks, or the a lot. Of, we've seen enough from the defensive line to where they can improve um, into the. Postseason, I think their first playoff matchup. Just we're gonna have another episode tomorrow coming out, um, uh, detailing the playoffs and all that. But um, the playoffs matchup is favorable in round one, but in round two, they're it's not as favorable, and it's probably gonna be a loss in round two. Um, but either way, a great season by the Pioneers. They showed a lot on both sides of the ball. Um, their secondary is definitely gonna be tested here in the postseason, though. Yeah, well, and again, we will talk more about that in next episode. Um, this isn't really a postseason show. This is just a season recap show. Yeah. Um, how much have, like, has West Green shown you enough to sh- sh- this year from their young players to make you think they're a contender for next year as well? Absolutely. Um, I Obviously, they're going to be missing some very key pieces um, to their offense and defense. Uh Ben Jackson's out. Um, like, I mean, right off the bat, that's going to be a huge. Yeah. You're taking out about eighty percent of your offense right there. Yeah. So, but 
I mean, Gavin Scott's gone as well. Colin Walker is out. But I think we've seen enough from those young guys. Like, they have a sophomore going to become a junior next year. Nathan Orndorff, he should take over the the quarterback spot. Maybe Wesley Wipke could challenge him there. Um, A a little bit of a quarterback battle there. Um, Ben Jackson and Colin Walker in the rushing game are both gone. Ben Jackson had 2,700 yards this year. That is insane. That that's two hundred and seventy yards a game. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. Um, Colin Walker had seven hundred ninety-two, which is a lot for even one running back on the, yeah. one team. So, um, but Corey Wise, who plays both sides of the ball, has the next in one hundred ninety-two, and he he should take the boatload of the rushes. We really saw West Green as really the class of the Tri-County South, no one could even touch them. They might be a little bit more human next year, but I still think they'll come out on top, even with all that they're losing. So there might be a couple teams that'll challenge them, speaking of. Yes, next up um, we have California, who finished off their season strong with a cupcake game against Mapletown, which they won 41-6. to A nice accent to a very respectable season. Um... California going 6-1 and one in the conference. Um, obviously, their only loss being to West Green. If you want to hear more about that game, you can go back a couple episodes. That was probably one of the most important games of the year for our podcast and for football in this area in general. Um, and the question is, um, we've seen a lot of injuries, especially late in the year for the Trojans. Will they be over- able to overcome those injuries and pull an upset against Cornell in the playoffs? And how are they going to look next year with all of this talent leaving? Um, next year, uh, actually, I'll talk about next year in a second. Right now in the playoffs, I think it comes down to whether Malik Ramsey is back or not. I have not checked if Malik Ramsey is back in action against some of those younger teams like Bentworth or Mapletown. They've played the last couple weeks, which they have looked really well against. Um, obviously, Lucas Qualk is going to be a force in the backfield. He's a really good blocking running back and you don't really see a lot of those in teams that we cover um but i think it just comes down to whether malik ramsey is healthy because he's he's an excellent receiver and he's going to win those one-on-one battles against cornerbacks from cornell and cornell is one of the hotter teams coming into this game um i believe they pulled an upset uh in week nine um to get that home playoff game so i mean california kind of just skips into this playoffs i guess they come in as they probably should have been the eighth seed but they end up pulling a sixth seed i believe or a fifth seed um just based on how they wanted to set up the bracket with Jeanette and Clareton on the opposite sides so california pulls cornell i we're going to talk about this more tomorrow but i i don't like the matchup for them if malik ramsey just isn't in the game yeah and yeah. I think you have to be concerned looking at next year, too, considering the fact that you're going to be losing Coach East Ryan, you're going to be losing Lucas Qualk. A lot of that talent is going to be gone, and California hasn't looked great without them so far this year. And The, the only real weapons that are returning are Zusak and Stafford. Um, Sholock and, Osta- and Osavage are back as well, but they weren't as as big contributors as the other two were. They're going to need to find a quarterback, obviously. I don't know where that's going to come from, whether they move uh, Zusak to quarterback, whether they move... Like, they need somebody to throw the ball. Do we, we Maybe we can see them returning the triple option, but I don't think you have strong enough backs to do that. 
on their team. So I think next year is going to be a little bit of a rebuilding year for the Trojans. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. And, you know, we haven't seen California with really a true pocket passer quarterback this year. I mean, even Coach Us Ryan, he did a great job. You know, he was very mobile. He was dangerous. But he wasn't able to push the ball downfield quite as well as you'd like, which is understandable because he's a wide receiver. And the fact that their backup um, in the in the West Green game was uh, Qualk, you know, that, that was a little concerning for me. I mean, I guess you're just looking at that and seeing that they don't really have anybody that you can look to. I don't know. Maybe there's a really good freshman coming up that's going to play quarterback as a sophomore next year. But at the same time, when you're going to be going up against physical teams like West Green next year, you know, that's still going to have a lot of talent. They're really going to need to find someone to throw the ball. That's probably my biggest concern for them next year. That is not even my biggest concern for them. My biggest concern is that aside from Seth Raricha, who is kind of like a combo linebacker defensive end, everyone else on both the defensive and offensive lines all graduate. Mason Watkins graduates. Sam Thomas graduates. Christian McKinley graduates. Damian Simiak graduates. Um, Colin Tyhonis graduates. So just about every every body they have on their team that's large and able to stand against good defensive lines graduates. And there hasn't really been for them that junior, senior, junior or sophomore that kind of rises up and takes over a role. There hasn't been that guy for them all year. So I'd be extremely worried if I were the the new quarterback for the Trojans going out going out there against a new offensive line against a team like West Green or um, anyone with a really good defensive line. We could even see Carmichael's drop into this, and Carmichael's has a really good defensive line as well. Or perhaps even Brownsville. Perhaps even Brownsville. I mean, um, they're doing reclassification, so anything's up for grabs right yeah. now. So I think you could see both of those teams maybe drop into the Tri-County South, and if I were West Green, or if I were California, those two would um, really worry me. But if I were also California, I'd also maybe consider them moving up into the Century Interstate, <laughs> and if that happened, I'd be even more worried. Yeah, um, I, I definitely don't think that would be good. Um, California, I think they were... I, I feel like they were really close this year, um, they had a lot of bad breaks. Um, I don't think, you know, they they just went up against a really um, special West Green team this year. I think most years in the Tri-County South with the team that California had this year, they could have won. They could have had a lot of success. Um, but it turns out that Ben Jackson just became even more of a monster than we thought. So it's they they're really going up against a generational West Green team, from what I can tell. And you get a bad break, you play a really tough at a conference schedule as well. So you're not going to get as high playoff seeding as a team like Jeanette does or someone. I'm not saying California is as good as Jeanette; they're definitely not. But the fact that you played Wash High, Laurel, and Beth Center all at a conference um, really shows that a you're really trying to um, impress. <laughs> the playoff makers here in the Whippeal, but also, too, that if you lose those games, um, it's not going to help you as much when you go into the um, postseason with a 7-3 and three. Seven and three record. So um, most most everyone else in the playoffs has an 8-2 and two record or above. Said that. Yeah. So maybe that just shows the strength of the conference, but I don't know. Um, speaking of strength of the conference. <laughs> All right. Um, next up, we have Chartier's Houston. Um 
They recently beat Riverview 20-13. to um, Nice little end of the season for Shardios Houston there. Um, and really, I think there's a lot of questions about Shardios Houston going into next year. Um, they kind of had a season in flux. They ended up third in the Tri-County South. Um, I don't know. That might have been a little disappointing for them. <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if it was. So I the- think I think it's a great great after a team that only had what two or three wins last year now up there threatening for a playoff spot is really really positive for Chargers Houston for sure. Yeah, and the question is for Chargers Houston: Did the Bucks show enough in a rebuilding year that they can possibly make the playoffs in twenty twenty? They <clears throat> absolutely did. I'm gonna say for sure. Their rushing game was lethal. Um, Nathan Cavello was really special, and he's only a sophomore. He'll be he has two more years left. Um, same with Colton Craig behind him. They lost their leading rusher in Sam DeWalt, but um, I think he was more of a combo wide receiver running back. Um, there are more true running backs all return. Um, a receiving game is going to struggle, I think, just because they get, they're graduating a senior quarterback. So if they were, are able to find a replacement for Anthony Lento, a quarterback, um, this could be a really, really dangerous team going into next year, especially when you look at all that California's losing. I think Charter Houston becomes that favorite for that second playoff spot. Yeah, it's very possible. And um, California can just hope that they can hold off Charter Houston because it, it is looking like a strong team. Um I don't know if either of them will be able to seriously um, go after West Green and challenge them next year, but we'll we'll see, and we'll talk about that more in, in a little bit. And as far as their defense, everybody in their secondary returns, so and that that could be a huge help against a team like California, who or t- who's more mobile. Um, th- I think. Against smaller teams, they're really going to dominate next year just because of that strong secondary, um, and they're going to be able to just outrun teams. Yeah. And that that could honestly help them against a team like West Green, maybe. Maybe that game's close next year because Ben Jackson was um, that workhorse against Charlie Houston this year, but without Ben Jackson, there's not really that threat of any speed beside maybe a dual-threat quarterback like Wesley Whipke um, yeah. against a team that's very fast like the Bucks are. Yeah. So, um, Chargers Houston could really be threatening if their defense steps up to par, which they they had an average defense this year, but a lot of younger guys. But if their defense really steps up, I really like Chargers Houston in the Tri County South. All right. At number four um, is Manesson. Um, they their last win of the season came at Avella, forty eight fourteen. Not really much of a surprise there. Um, Manesson has a kind of one of those in-between teams, not really sure how to feel about them, um, but four is reasonable. Um, they finished four and three in the conference and four and six overall, so they um, were not able to pick up any out-of-conference wins. Um, but the question for Manesson is um, their offense really struggled this year, um, or maybe more so, more accurately, they were inconsistent this year. And um, their defense really, I think, stepped up and kind of picked up some of the slack. Um, you saw them using that bend, don't break mentality, um, really stuck, stood up for themselves when it counted. And the question is, um, what can the Greyhounds do to return to the playoffs within the next year, recapture that glory, um, and put this off year behind them? 
Well, it's obviously got to come on offense, right? Um, yeah. You look at the defense, though, first. Um, they, only, they only graduated five seniors this year, and only one of them was a defensive player. So as good as that defense was last year, it's going to be even better next year with a year of experience under their belt. you got to remember, they were tied. I believe they were even winning against West Green going into halftime. Um, it, it was, Manesson was just a really imp- impressive teams at, a team at times last yeah. year. Um, but next year, I think they're, they might be able to pull it all together. Uh, they return the quarterback, which is a big help against, you know, the, every team we've talked about so far, their quarterback's gone. Yeah. Um, having that continuity at quarterback is really going to help a team like Manesson. All their offensive linemen are back. Um, some of their running back threats are gone, but uh, I think they'll be able to fill some of those up. Um, so they could really be an interesting team, maybe kind of a dark horse pick uh, to make a playoff spot. Yeah, and really not finishing all too far behind um... – Number four, I think, is respectable. They're certainly not low enough on this list where you don't think there's any hope for next year. I think there's a lot of hope for next year, especially on that strong defense. Um, They're just going to have a little more stability than some of the teams we're looking at, and that might be what pushes them over the edge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Maybe, hopefully they they continue in this division. Uh, I don't think they'll move up into the... um, into 2A, but it, it's a possibility. If they do, then you, you might want to consider packing it in, but um, I, I like Manesson in this. The, I don't think they'll make the playoffs next year, but I think they'll improve and compete in more games against better teams. Um, moving on. All right. Um, at number five, perhaps a little bit of a surprise, we have Jefferson Morgan. Um they ended the year with a big win over Bentworth, 46-39. to 39. Um, Really finishing off a strange season for Jefferson Morgan. They got blown out a lot, and they blew out a lot of people. I mean, they started the year by losing to Waynesburg, 38-0, lost to Shardius Houston, 40-0, and then beat Mapletown, 42-0. And I think that's kind of the, been the theme of Jefferson Morgan's season, just a lot of inconsistency. They've shown flashes of brilliance and dominance, but also flashes of just the opposite. So the question is, um, you know, really, especially after those first two games, Jefferson Morgan was a great offensive team, um, but really just gave up so many points on defense that it kept them out of a lot of games. Um, they're three and seven for the second straight year, and the question is, will the Rockets escape purgatory and rise to the challenge next year? So Jefferson Morgan this year was kind of like that in-between team where it was like they would just destroy the bottom three and then they would get destroyed by the top three. Um, They were really close with Manesson, almost won that game in week um, five, I believe, or four. Um, uh, That win kind of showed more for me, or that loss kind of showed more for me than any other wins did uh, against the teams like Bentworth and Mabletown and Novella. Um, they're def- they're close. They're really close. Their offense is much closer than their defense. I think if they're going to improve, they're, they're, they need to have more continuity on defense um, for the Rockets to succeed. They started their freshman quarterback all year this year, Cole Jones, and you really saw his improvement um, scoring 46 points against Bentworth at the end of the year. Um, in all their wins, they definitely looked impressive, and even some of their losses. Yeah. I mean, Cole Jones really shined in that game against Manesson. Um, 
As far as the running game goes, Jonathan Wolf returns over 1,000-yard rusher. Liam Ankrum returns over 100-yard rusher. So there's a lot to like on this offense coming back. I think if they're going to take that next step, though, it all comes down to whether their defense can improve. Um, Jonathan Wolf returns on defense. But just about everybody on their defensive line returns, but their defensive line wasn't that good this year. So they just need to... If they improve on defense, I think this could be a top four team. It's very possible. Um, but they got to pull out those wins against Manessa or, or Chargers Houston, just teams that, like, you're going to be close against next year, but it just depends on if. I mean, they're going to be in a lot of shootouts next year, that's for sure. It's just if their defense can step up in big moments. Yeah, I think that, that loss to Manessa you're talking about was 28 21. Um, that's that's very close in high school football. I mean that is a that's a one touchdown game. That's that's certainly something to be proud of. Um, <laughs> does that does that game sh- say more about uh, Manesson's offense or Jefferson Morton's defense? Is a question because that's a low scoring game against um, a high scoring team in Jefferson Morgan. So looking back, Jefferson Morgan probably should have won that game. Yeah. Um, just based on how their offense performed throughout the year. So I think if you play that game next year, I think Jefferson Morgan takes it just based on the improvement we'll see from their offense. Oh, man, I'm just looking at their scores here. Uh, October 11th versus Ulsh. That's a rough one. I don't think yeah. we talked about that. It, listen, Ulsh is a playoff team. I, I Jefferson Morgan is, although they'll improve next year, I, don't, I still think they're a long way off from competing with the likes of Ulsh. <laughs> so yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Eighty nothing. Uh, that's about as bad as it gets. But um, we won't end on a sour note. Jefferson Morgan, I think, did maybe better than we expected after those first two games of the season. Um, they're, I guess, ready to make the jump into mediocrity and not into being bad. So we'll see where that gets the next year. All right, so let's move into the bottom three teams. Um, Bentworth, Mapletown, and Avella. I need to blow my nose. Just mark down the time code. I wonder if I have place where it's... A nice clean cut. And I think really the question with these three teams is, do any of them stand out as possible contenders for next season? Um, all of them were disappointing. Um, I don't think they had especially high expectations going into the year, um, but they went. Bentworth went um, two and eight. Mapletown also went two and eight, and Avella went one and nine, with their only win coming up coming against the non-conference Bishop. What is that? Bishop Canavan? Canavan? Yeah, they're and, not good either. <laughs> and that's a twelve to nothing win. So we're not. <laughs> 
we're not talking about anything spectacular here. Um, a really rough year for Avella. Yeah, I'm going to take Avella out of this conversation just based on the fact that they're so bad every year. Um, you could almost take out Mapletown out of this conversation, but um, when you look at what Bentworth's losing, um, it's it doesn't look very good for the Bearcats next year, as bad as they were this year. Um, in the rushing game, Kavanaugh returned and Petrasek returned, and that's nice. Um, Kavanaugh had 700 yards and Petrasek had 400, but losing Sean Ziak is probably your biggest loss for Bentworth. Um, can you guess how many passing yards Sean Ziak had this year? And if you guessed over 1,700, you'd be correct. Averaging, averaging 18 yards a pass, Sean Ziak had 1,701 yards. Um, 16 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. So the Bearcats really... Um, <laughs> executed that air it out mentality this year, um, especially in like big wins um, they had against like a Maple Town or a, I mean they scored a lot of points against Maple Town and Avella, but um, just about every other game it wasn't close. Um, I'm still questioning how they had 1,700 yards of passing and went what two and eight. <laughs> yeah, that so, is especially in in the Tri County South. Um, is I would not be surprised how many passing yards did Coach East Ryan have. Not that many. <laughs> I, I, it would help if California kept stats. <laughs> he's probably the the um, highest number of passing yards in the Tri County South. <laughs> I would say easily. I can't. I mean, <laughs> without looking at any other team, I'd say easily. <laughs> so there's no other team that plays like that, I guess. And yeah, it's that is surprising. And I guess what you have to look at there is <laughs> what is it? Seventeen interceptions and sixteen touchdowns. Yes. So that's definitely 17 interceptions in 10 games. Um, that's almost two interceptions a game. That's definitely going to hurt your chances big time. And if you're, you know, if he's able to throw the ball downfield and make big plays, but then turns it over, isn't able to be efficient in the red zone, isn't able to score off those big plays, that's going to make a big difference. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't argue. 1,700 yards passing is always good in, in high school football. Yeah, 220 attempts, 95 completions. That's basically a 50% completion percentage each game. Um, well, a little bit under that, probably. Probably about 40%. Yeah, 43-2. So, I mean, it was a one-man show, and that one man was average to below average and just chucking it. Um, and that one man is gone next year. So I do not like Benworth. Um Mapletown, however, I very out of these three teams, I'd probably say I'm the most positive on Mapletown out of all of them, just because they return their quarterback, and that mean <laughs> that's more than the other two teams can say. Um, so I think I like Mapletown to come out of these three teams, but they're not. N- none of these teams are very good, so it's probably not worth talking about as much as we've talked about them. <coughs> so. I will. Let's move on to our predicted order of finish for next year. Just way, way too early. Our early expectations. Um, if let's if they don't reseed, like this is a fun conversation when you're comparing these teams against each other. But um, obviously these teams are probably gonna reseed. So it, or or re um, reconference. So it, it it really is just for the sake of conversation. I think Carmichael's and Brownsville move down into the Tri County South. Um, 
and California probably moves up. Maybe Manesson moves up or, or West Green. Or, well, actually, West Green's definitely not moving up. They have a very small team. But yeah. probably Chargers Houston moves up, maybe. It's possible. That would, that, would be, that would not be a good situation. Probably, like, two... It'd be either Chargers Houston, Jefferson Morgan, or California would probably be the three teams to pick to move up. So... Let's <laughs> go through our predicted order of finish from the exactly. bottom up. All right, from the bottom up, I have Vavella at eight. What do you have? <laughs> uh, I'm with I'm with you on that one. Um, we talked. We haven't really talked about Avella, um, and there's a reason. Um, like we said, their only win came against Bishop Canavan or Canavan. I, I have no idea how to pronounce that. Twelve nothing. That the reason we haven't talked about them very much is because we don't really need to know anything about them. Other than that, they're not very good. Yeah. So, we both have them at eight. I, they had they looked really lackluster. Only win, and then all of, if if you're getting blown out by Mabletown, signs are you're not that great of a team. Um, who do you have at seven? Um, I'm with you. I have Bentworth. I also have Bentworth. Um, just losing Sean Dziak is basically the only reason. Yeah. Um, if Trent Kavanaugh and Owen Petrasek make the next step, maybe take control of the ball, they become more of a running team, maybe a triple option team. Um, I can see maybe that changing. Um, maybe them even jumping up to five, but that would take a lot of improvement from them. That would take basically them needing a whole... A whole stack of offensive linemen. Yeah. And that's something they don't have, so. Um, going into number six. I have Mapletown. I also have Mapletown. We both said, talked about how they return a little bit. They don't, they are, they still lost a, a lot of key contributors, um, but I still really like Mapletown more than the other two. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, let's move into the uh, bigger and better teams, and this is when our picks start to contradict. What do you have at number five? Number five is Jefferson Morgan. And I know this is not um, maybe quite as high as some people would like to have Jefferson Morgan. They finished at number four this year. It's not that much of an improvement. I really do like what they're doing, but their inconsistency scares me. And... Um, I think they're losing just enough talent that that inconsistency is really gonna smack them in the face. Um, it, it's they're not as bad, yes, with losing um, with losing talent. I know that there are some key contributors coming back, but I'm not quite as convinced as you are. And I think honestly, it has more to do with the teams that I have ahead of them and where I think they're going than Jefferson Morgan. Yeah, I mean. You look, Colt Fowler was a freshman quarterback, and he beat all the teams he should have beaten and lost to all the teams he should have lost to. Now, you pull out that game against Manassas, that's one more win. Um, that's one more ranking this year, over, and that takes him into the top four. Um, you, I think they will probably beat Manassas next year. Um, I think they'll compete with California. I don't know if that'll be a win or not, but I think with all the Californias losing, they should be able to take that step up. So, the, I had Jefferson Morgan at three, um, and California at five, just because you look at all Jefferson Morgan is 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 bringing back, um, especially and, with Wolf. Yeah, especially with Wolf, they're leading. They're they Jonathan Wolf broke um, the school record in rushing this year. Um, you <laughs> just imagine how he is as a senior. 
Um, I think the Rockets just take that next step, become a team that really can compete with top teams in this conference. California, man, you it's really hard to replace five offensive linemen and three defensive linemen in one year. And that's why I'm I'm really hesitant to just jump on the California train like I did in the pre in the preseason with them. I think I predicted them to finish first this year. Um, I'm gonna fin- predict they finish fifth because like they they lose just so much, so much yeah. on the uh, so many guys that you really need in this conference. Like um, West Green brings back Corey Wise. Imagine what Corey Wise is gonna do to five brand new offensive linemen. It's oh, not. Yeah. In yeah. a, a new quarterback as well, they yeah. lose Lucas Qualk. They lose Malik Ramsey. Just about every big weapon they had, they lose. Beside maybe Jaden Zusak, and Jaden Zusak was injured most of this year, so we didn't really know how good he was. Uh, same with Damani Stafford. So maybe Stafford and Zusak just take that next step, but they don't have anyone to take it with. Yeah, very true. And. Um, I have California coming in at number four. Um, I that might be a little generous. Um, you have them at five. I certainly think they're going to be better than Avella, Bentworth, and Mapletown. I think they have enough return. I mean, I say enough. We're really talking about, you know, um, Zuzak and those guys that we just referenced. But you don't really need to have five senior offensive linemen to compete against Avella, Bentworth, and Mapletown. And maybe you do against Jefferson Morgan, but Jefferson Morgan's defense is not good enough that I think it's going to be, make that much of a difference. Um, so I'm going to say that California has enough talent that they can contend for with Jefferson Morgan. I think there's maybe a possibility that Jefferson Morgan is the favorite, but I'm going to take California with a bit of an underdog sort of deal here. Yeah. Um, between our two rankings, um, we both had the same bottom three. The next three we each had mixed up a little bit, but and then the next two we had mixed up, but there wasn't really any a ton of variation between our two rankings. Um, I had um, Manessin at four. I had them below Jefferson Morgan just because that game was so close, and I think Jefferson Morgan is taking a little bit more improvement. Um, than Manessin is. Manessin's defense is going to be really good, and I wouldn't be surprised if maybe even they finished two um, and made the playoff, but I, I think their offense is just a little bit far away, uh, especially with all their losing in the running game. So, Manessin at four, they stay, they remain the same, and teams shuffle around them. Um, who did you have at number three? Um, I have Manessin at number three. I do like their defense. Um, the question is, are, is the offense going to be able to step up? Are they going to have some stud come up to, to run the ball, to throw the ball, something like that? Um, you know, with I, I do like their defense, and I think they're really just maybe a piece or two away on offense, one or two explosive players that we weren't expecting um, away from that third spot. And I think there's a good chance that they'll find that. Um, it's hard to tell who right now. I know that's very vague, but... Um, I I think that their defense is going to be able to win them some games that they maybe shouldn't win and build a little bit of confidence and maybe sneak away with a third spot. All right. And then I had Jefferson Morgan at three. I explained that earlier just because I really like them. So, um, Manessa and Jefferson Morgan are kind of opposites of each other. Yeah. In terms of (laughs) sides of the ball and all that. Yeah. So 
And the fact that they're opposites of each other and the fact that that game last year was so low scoring, I think we could see that flip. Be Make it a high scoring game. Um, Jefferson Morgan, I think, will improve on defense. So maybe Jefferson Morgan wins that easily. So I don't know. That game is a real question mark. That might be one we really have to go to next year, Jefferson Morgan Manesson. Um, let's move into the top two. We both had the same top two teams, but in different orders. So I would like you to explain your order because I think yours is a little bit more brazen than mine. So um, explain your picks on your top two. All right. Um, so for some reason, I have Chargers Houston at number one and West Green at number two. And I don't think that there's going to be, if this happens, it's not going to be because there's a big difference between the two of them. It's going to be because Chargers Houston is able to pull some kind of upset in the regular season and is able to run away, maybe unexpectedly. I mean, I think it could happen, but I don't think Chargers Houston beats West Green outright. I think it would happen more in the lines of maybe Chargers Houston loses to West Green but wins every other game, and West Green gets upset here and there um, against like a Manesson team or maybe a, or maybe California maybe exercises their demons at home or something. But like, I don't think Chargers Houston is going to beat West Green outright. Um, so yours could happen. It's very, very unlikely. Um, but I, I see your line of thinking a little bit. I think West Green returns enough, especially on their defensive and offensive line, where it's like they're not going to take a huge step back from where Ben Jackson was just controlling them. Uh, offensively, they got to create a new identity, maybe create a little bit more explosiveness um, in the speed game with a Wesley Whipke or... or um, Maybe a more downhill threat like Corey Wise. So they need to create a new identity. I don't know what that is. Maybe trying to air the ball out more. That's something Brian Hansen said preseason early last year where it's, when he was hired. where That was something he wanted to emphasize in the offense. And he never really did it with a downfield passing game just because Ben Jackson was such a talent. Uh, with Wesley Whipke maybe or, who, or Nathan Orndorff or whoever has the ball, Maybe you can start to do that a little bit more. Maybe use some of your receivers, which we haven't really seen. So that's something where the West Green offense is just a big whole question mark for next year. Oh, yeah. And I know their defense is going to be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, their their pass rush is really impressive, and it's going to continue that way next year. That's a scary thing to deal with. Um, but I think in some ways they're they're definitely not going to be the team that they are next year that they were this year. And you can't expect to be when you lose a talent like Ben Jackson. Um, they're going to have to lean on their defense and offensive lines. And that is certainly a huge strength of theirs. Um, that's something that should put them as favorites in the Tri-County South. Um, but I think Chargers Houston might have just enough. All right. So it looks like we're between the same two teams for the Tri-County South. Let's move into the Century Interstate and Two-Way. Uh, obviously, these, team, these teams are not going to be the same teams in these these divisions, but we just want to go through a quick recap, maybe see what we think of their returning stars. Um, um, and maybe we'll recap the games we went to last week, including a fun one between the top two teams, Washington and McGuffey. So you want to describe uh, what that experience was like last week? Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a wild game. Um, it was one of those games where I feel like the score didn't really accurately reflect how close it was at times. Um, uh, Washington ends up winning 36-14. Um, at one point it was tied 14-14. Coming at, into the third quarter, it felt like 
Um, McGuffey had all the momentum. Um, Washington was somehow fumbling the ball in every snap. Uh, you had a bizarre play where the long snapper just sent it. <laughs> <laughs> Way over the punter yeah. said. And um, Rocco jumped on the ball, ended up getting getting it on the 15-yard line, and they score a touchdown. Suddenly, you know, it, it just felt like McGuffey had some things going for them. They, they felt like they were in a good spot. The crowd was really into it, and it just kind of fell apart. Yeah. McGuffey had a lot to... Um, the McGuffey had a lot that of skill gaps between the two teams that they just had to overcome. And they did at times. Um, but they definitely didn't do it enough to where it gave them a solid shot at a win. Um, Wash High had, has a lot of standout players and a lot of them dealing with big injuries. And they overcame injuries in this game. Um, you saw Michael Allen... Um, stretching and coming in and out of the game, both on offense and defense. Amari Miller got injured and taken out pretty early on. Um, he was a really key contributor, especially on defense. And Michael Allen tried to fill his role, and even he got injured and came in and out. Um, Gerald Comedy came out of the game in the second quarter and didn't return, and that yeah. was a big loss. And oh, yeah. he, he has to be healthy going into the playoffs. Maybe they rest him this week. Um, because they play the 16th seed in Shadyside, which could be an easier win for them. I think it would be an easier win than a game against McGuffey. Yeah. So, um, we'll talk about more about that tomorrow. But um, they need players to, that are able to overcome injuries and fill gaps. And Isaiah Edwards was a big guy. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Zakai Edwards, or no, Zakai Marshall, um, filled the gap of Gerald Comedy. When Comedy went out, Marshall just filled in and was able to create a lot of pressure on, on Marshall Whipke, who didn't have a lot of time. Maybe that's more of a credit to McGuffey's weak offensive line than it is to Zakai Marshall, but you never know. Um, we'll see more of that in the playoffs when they play teams with stronger offensive lines. Uh, maybe even Charleroi again. So. Yeah, and, and you really <laughs> just answered the, the main question that we have for Washington, which is, um, what standout players stood out to you when the practices dealt with injuries, and will those players be a key, be a key for success in the playoffs? So, will Marshall and Edwards be the as big of players as they were in McGuffey's game in the playoffs? And I, I, I like them there. I really do. And I even think, Michael Allen, yeah, the linebacker. Um, Edwards really impressed me, especially. Um, he had a great game. Um, he was confident and he was dominant. And going into playoffs, that's really what you want to see, um, especially for such a physical position. You know, he was the kind of guy rotating, could rotate in on defensive line, play some linebacker. And you could tell he was just happy to be there. He was pumping up the sidelines. Um, that's the kind of leader and the kind of physical presence you need going into November. Yeah. And then skipping past November a little bit and previewing into next year, Wash High loses a lot of guys. But... It's wash high. Like, it's restock and a reload. And they got a great coaching staff. Um, really, really skilled coaching staff. They know what players. They have a really good support system built in for their school. Um, it's just different there. Like, it's different how how the um, how it's structured. Their their culture. It, it's definitely a football culture with yeah. them. It, it starts in the middle school and is, extends into the high school. So, I'm... Although they lose X Warts, although they lose the big three defensive linemen, although they lose Isaiah Edwards and but and Zamir Robinson, 
I don't have as much worry in picking them at one again in this conference just because, you know, Amari Miller comes back. He, he dealt with an injury, but he'll be back. Michael Allen is only a sophomore, so Man. imagine him as a senior. Um, he was really good on defense. Like, that was maybe his first game on defense, and he was really shined when he was in and he was even dealing with an injury just yeah. imagine how good of an maybe an outside linebacker he's as a senior so they need to replace their quarterback and that might be a little bit of a difficulty because Zach Swartz is getting a lot of offers right now from D2 schools um, so that might be something that they're lacking next year Dylan Asbury's gone um, although he wasn't much of a impact on this season as they probably would have wanted him to be um yeah, Washington is going to be fine. It's just finding those guys. Yeah, and it's you know it's kind of weird to say that. You don't really say that many other levels of football. No, you but, do not. <laughs> but in high school, it's just different. And you see teams like Aliquippa and teams like Washington. And, you know, if you want to go to the highest level, well, trying to keep public schools here because, you know, we're not even, we're not even going to get into recruiting um, for high school. But you see these teams that just – win and win and win and win and it's part of their culture like you said it, they're just a football school that expects to win um they have the best coaches they get the best players or they, they at least develop the best players um and that's where washington's at yeah i mean they lose all four defensive linemen caleb jackson's gone too but like um zamir robinson's probably gonna get replaced by brandon patterson who had a really really key catch in this game on third down um that kind of extended a drive for them. So they have they have a lot of those guys just kind of waiting in the wings, but they haven't really gotten that much experience. So they, we might see a little bit of a learning pain early next year, but I think Wash High has got this division pretty well sealed up, um, especially with what McGuffey's losing, just yeah. transitioning into what McGuffey. Um, they got Nate Yeagle back, all right? And he was he's kind of an important part of their offense, but he's not the guy at rusher. Just because of his size. Yeah. Um, McKinley Whipke was the guy, and he didn't get a lot of touches this year. Him as a junior, we could see a little bit more of more of him getting the ball, or him as a senior, excuse me. Uh, all their offensive line comes back. That's a very, very important. Um, the biggest problem for me is losing C.J. Cole and Marshall Whipke. Oh, yeah. So. Um, and we saw them. They, they, they did make a big impact in this game. Um, I mean, for for McGuffey, you know, um, those were the, the touchdowns, you know. Um, like, both both players had touchdown against Washington, and those were their only scores. Yeah. Um, another important player that we don't really talk about too much because he's kind of a little bit under the radar is Jared Johnson, who were, who caught that Philly special pass. He's a yeah. really good downfield threat as well. So McGuffey's returning a lot of experience. It's just, can McGuffey's returning players with experience match up with Wash High's new ads? Yeah. And I think if Wash High maybe takes an early loss, like if they sched, they McGuffey or Wash High really lucked out this season with getting Southmoreland and McGuffey so late in the year. Um, I, are they going to be as lucky and lucky in scheduling um, when they ha- maybe have to play like a South Moreland or a Charleroi team really early on? Maybe their first like conference game. 
are those new guys going to be able to match the intensity and the skill that were brought on by guys like Isaiah Edwards or Zachary Marshall or guys that don't have as much talent but had that experience? Yeah. So it the jury's still out. I think McGuffey kind of takes that slight edge, maybe. I might change my early <laughs> my the, picks. Perhaps but early in the year, especially. McGuffey really returns a lot, though. Well, they they are a really special team, despite losing their quarterback. I think they have um, a quarterback kind of waiting there as a sophomore um, in Ethan Janovich. So we maybe we could see him get kind of fill that role a little bit at the quarterback spot. But he's got the weapons. Like McGuffey has weapons. It's just if they can block for against a strong defensive line um and and getting that playoff experience as well this season is going to be important for them too yeah um and all right so we've talked about washington we've talked about mcguffey let's get into number three by the way mcguffey in case you didn't know ends up at number two in the century interstate um number three is charleroi they finished their year with a win at apollo ridge by 10 points, um, 43 to 33. Um, a nice season for Charleroi. Um, they're always a good team. And our question for their season is, the Cougars have to improve on the offensive line in order to give their talented QB room to get legend Davis the ball. Um, did the Cougars show enough against the Vikings to win against Freedom and even a possible rematch against the Prexies in the playoff? Um, me. Maybe, maybe. Um, I their their offensive line is taking baby steps, but each week, um, maybe Peyton Trollinger, Peyton Trollinger definitely knows more about this than we do. Legend Davis is really good, but they don't get him the ball as much as they should have because their offensive line is kind of a liability for them. And Freedom's a team in the Bulldogs is kind of a team that will <laughs> really has a good defensive line and. Ethan Seppaletti really needs to have that much talent as a quarterback um, or that much time as a quarterback to get Legend Davis the ball. So you might see them implement some some jet sweep action against a team like Freedom, but it's really a mismatch as far as their defense against Charleroi's offense. Charleroi's defense is really good, but I I question if they're going to be able to rush the passer as well against a team like Freedom, who's more of a beefier team Yeah. than a... I mean, Apollo Ridge was very beefy, but not in the same light as Freedom was. So, it, it's st- the jury's still out again. On I mean, we're gonna see it's an eight versus nine matchup, so it's gonna be close. But I don't think it's it's a favorable matchup for Charleroi. Um, what's definitely not a favorable matchup for Charleroi is who if who they'll play if they win. Which I think it was funny that the Whipple did, did this because we're probably we if Charleroi wins, we're gonna get a Wash High Charleroi rematch. So that could be interesting to see. But um, we'll talk about that more tomorrow once we probably know more about yeah. what Charleroi looks like. Um, Charleroi, as far as next season is concerned, you lose Legend Davis. You lose Ethan Sedulipoot, whatever. <laughs> I can't I can't pronounce that. I've heard it pronounced many different ways um, by different podcasts around. But as far as talent as sophomores and juniors, we haven't really seen them really shine as much as we probably should have as much as the seniors have they're losing their top runner they're losing their quarterback they're losing legend davis and that's basically their entire offense right now because we're not super high on their o-line or d-line so 
Charlery's probably going to take a step back, and if they do, and if they do take a step forward, it'll have to come from a newcomer, which isn't that unlikely, honestly, with wh- yeah. with where they're situated. Yeah. So, like, like when you're reviewing these one A teams, like you look at their roster and you look at all the the losing, and you're like, no, they're definitely gone. Like, they're not going to find anyone to replace that player skill set. And when you're in two A. You're, you start to see, like, like if it's Wash High, like, you're going to find somebody like Isaiah Edwards. Like, there's not really a ton of doubt behind that. But, like, as you go down the list, like, Charleroi, like, they might find somebody as good of a quarterback, but they also might not. So, like, there's a there's a little bit of a ha- more hesitation as you go down the list. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, um, <laughs> a team that you're definitely going to have hesitation about. Um Actually, you might not, though. With only three seniors, South Moreland. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a very interesting one. Um, they ended up number four in the interstate. Um, they lost on their last game of the year to Greensburg Central Catholic by a interesting margin of 14-34. to 34. Um, Not really a blowout, not really a close game. Um, a comfortable win for Greensburg Central Catholic. Um, South Moreland has felt good about their season I think so far um they end the year with a respectable uh five and five um that that's not quite that as impressive until you realize the kind of teams that they're playing um I think there's a pretty decent gap between Washington um McGuffey and Charleroi and Southmoreland at least this year um so that's a pretty respectable uh, final for South for the Scotties. Um, anyways, they make their first playoff burst since 1940. That's a big deal. Um, but the problem is they have a very difficult road ahead in the playoffs. Yes. <laughs> um, first, uh, they play Avonworth, and that's that's going to be a loss. I'm sorry, Scotties. That's just going to be a loss. Um, what worries you about what happened for next year is that they won their first five games. Yeah. And then they lost their next five games. And then they lost to Greensburg Central Catholic by, like, 20 points in the final game of the year on the road. As much as they're bringing back, I'd be worried because they lose their top two wide receivers and they were kind of the the big their big offensive guys. They bring back their quarterback and Zachary Cernudo, and that's going to be huge for them. Um, but when you lose your last five games... And one of those coming against the 1A school, it doesn't look good for Southmoreland. It looked like they started to regress end of the year. And maybe that's scheduling. Like, you play McGuffey and Charleroi and Wash High three of those five weeks. Um, you lose your two out-of-conference games as well. So it's not like Southmoreland was as much of a different team in those last five weeks. But, I don't know, maybe they were just they were just kind of like that Jefferson Morgan team where, like, they looked really impressive in the games that against lower opponents, but against bigger opponents, it, it wasn't as close. Yeah, and you look at the, the games they won, um, Mount Pleasant to start off the year, then Frazier, Carmichael's, Beth Center, and Brownsville. Um, those are the four bottom teams <laughs> beneath them. Um, you know, they, they really didn't challenge any of the upper-tier teams at all. Um, they lost to McGuffey, 28-55. to They lost to Charleroi, 28-7. to They lost to Washington, 44-16. to 
and those are all very good teams. Um, I don't think we expected Southmoreland to win those games, but they're not at the next level yet. Let's just put it that way. Um, and really, it's kind of a shame that they get put in this spot where they make the playoffs for the first time in since 1940. That's a really long time. Yeah, but if <laughs> yeah, that's a really long time. But I think there's a little bit more positive spin on this is that. The Scotties only have three seniors graduating. The Scotties only have three juniors that will be seniors next year. So they're making the playoffs with mostly sophomores and freshmen. Just imagine where the Southmoreland could be. I'm not saying they will be because we don't really know. Like their offense was so heavily focused on those two, on Brandon Peterson and Riley Comforti, who are seniors, and Zachary Cernudo, their quarterback. Their offensive line was not good. They don't. They just don't have the size. But they were also mostly sophomores and freshmen. So, if their defense steps up, their defense was atrocious this year. But if their defense becomes maybe above average in two years, how good are the Southmoreland Scotties going to be with maybe a senior quarterback coming in, um, with new weapons? But they have a lot of experience. They're like they're 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 young but experienced, and yeah. you know what PJ Fleck from Minnesota says: you love to be young but experienced. And Southmoreland is that team. Yeah. So maybe Southmoreland, I could easily see them taking the next step next year. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but not this year. <laughs> um, they're not. Like yeah, they're Nathan not going to beat Athenworth in the playoffs. Yeah. Like that's not going to happen. But it's good to get that experience. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I I can see them definitely being a playoff team next year. So another team I can see being a playoff team next year. Now the jury's still out on the Carmichael's because there might be something coming out here um, in the off season. But Carmichael's looked like a really good team coming down the stretch for sure. So yeah, I mean you look at their last four games. Um, they got a win against Leechburg, perhaps a little unexpected, twenty to thirteen. Um, then they take it to Brownsville, 42-21. That was huge. Um, oh, you're still talking me. about South Moreland? No. Car- I thought we were on Carmichael's. We are on Carmichael's. I, I'm going to go back and look at the schedule. <laughs> oh, nope. Yeah, you were talking me. about I'm Frazier. I'm talking about Frazier. Oh. Jeez. Yeah, we're looking at a pretty tight... Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you saw how small the piece of paper was that we're, that we're reading off this Yes, bracket, okay. Please excuse us. All right. Carmichael's. Um, they still win three of their last four games. Um, the one loss coming to Washington, 45 nothing. That's a, that's very reasonable. I mean, no team is going to feel bad about that. Beat Union Area 27-18, a close one. That's a nice win. Um, maybe not as convincing as you'd like, but you take what you can get. Then they beat Frazier 32-26. Um, I think that was a little unexpected for us. Um, you can hear that, about that in our some of our previous episodes, especially after how good Frazier looked against Brownsville. Um, and then they finish off by beating the team that Frazier just beat, Brownsville, 26-0. Strong end of the season. Um, they end 3-4 and four in conference and 4-5 and five overall. Um, their other win came against Beth Center, who really struggled this year. Um, or excuse me. No, their other... Their, Beth Center is in their conference. Their non-conference win was Union Area. But um, a respectable season for Carmichael's. Um, to yeah, Maybe not great, but they, they were able to beat the teams that they should have beaten. And that has to count for something. Yeah. There's so much I want to say about Carmichael's. 
Like there's so much there's so much intrigue about like where they'll be. Like there's a there's another element to Carmichael's that we'll also talk about with Brownsville um, is that they're probably going to drop to a lower class. Um, they're they're graduating a lot of they're graduating their quarterback who early in the year was responsible for their win. Uh, but late in the year, you start you started to see that transition from Kevin Kelly and Jonathan Lilly getting a lot of the it being kind of like the driving force of their offense to kind of this the new this junior and Bailey Jones who was kind who who really took control in that Brownsville game and was kind of really excelled in that offense. The defense was lights out for them down the stretch. Um, they were able to execute in close games. They could have easily only had two wins this year, but they yeah. turned it into. Um, a near playoffs, near playoff berth. Yeah. So Carmichael's is definitely improving, but the the sad thing for Carmichael's, and it might be a benefit for them later, is that everyone else in the century is improving. Frazier is going to be a much different team next year than they were this year. Uh, Wash High is going to reload, so there's not going to be a huge drop in talent from them. Um, South Moreland is improving. Charleroi's kind of talent. McGuffey is keeping a lot of talent in house. Charleroi might drop a little bit, but I won't say they're going to drop behind Carmichael's. So Carmichael's is definitely improving, but it's more of kind of like a a culture re- a culture improvement more than like they're going to improve into a playoff spot because there's just so much talent at the top. Yeah. Now the thing that could mess with that is them dropping into the into the Tri County South. Yeah. Because if they drop into the Tri County South. They suddenly become the favorite in that conference. I'd say. I don't know. I I, I still, um. I think West Green and Chartiers Houston are a little too good for me to say that. I don't know. It's hard. I mean, it's a two A team. It's hard to I compare would, to one. I would take Carmichael's defense against Chartiers Houston any day of the week. Yeah, that's very possible. And the question between is between them and West Green. I think it's a little bit more of a toss up. West Green's offense is still a question. Um, yeah. Bailey Jones is such a good running back that like West Green's offensive identity is just a huge, like we said it earlier. It's just, we don't know what it is next year. So if Carmich- Carmichael's already has that built in the last couple games of the year with Bailey Jones and they all, they're returning a lot of their offensive linemen. So it's not a huge stretch to say Carmichael's is the best team in Tri-County South if they move down, because right now they're the fifth best team in interstate century yeah and they're probably the fifth best team next year so yeah yeah (laughs) just because of all the reshuffling that all the other teams are doing yeah so one of the other teams that'll probably reshuffle all right um (laughs) frazier and oh my goodness very very interesting team um they beat best center 19 to 18 to what, end of the year, it was a really, it's a really big win for the program. Like, oh yeah, I'm. A, listen, <laughs> it may not, it, it may not have been super impressive, but this is a huge win for the program. So, well, you I mean, a, you, you you look at Frazier, they lose their first five or yeah, they lose their first six games, and then they went three and four, or or yeah. three and excuse me, three and one. Um, so they lose their first six, then win three of the next four. So they, they definitely have the momentum, um, starting with that win over Leechburg, which I alluded to mistakenly with Carmichael's, then really taking it to Brownsville, um, losing to Carmichael's, which is it was looking... a close game. And it it's a looking close game. better and better, yeah. and then beating Beth Center. 
So they finished two and five in conference, three and seven overall. Um, to end number six, which is not too bad, um, especially after losing six to start the year. Um, so it's it's just Frazier's interesting. They looked like the worst team in the conference in the first half, very possibly. It was probably between them and Beth Center. Um, win three in the next four. Um, and really what you're looking at is you've got Boggs returning, you've got Kenny Fine returning, almost their entire offense and defensive lines. So does all that talent mean that they're going to be a great team in 2020 or maybe just a much better team in 2020? My goodness, Brayden Boggs down the stretch really looked like a good quarterback as a freshman. Like, Brayden Boggs as a freshman, if he's, like, destroying Brownsville's defense, and, like, just imagine where he's at next year. Or, and reseeding reseeding could also help Frazier not... I don't think they'll move down or up, but just because if if teams move down or up, you're gonna see maybe Jefferson Morgan hopping into the into the um, Century Interstate or even California. And between Fraser and California, like Fraser's a better team, <laughs> like um, especially with their offense. And then another like extra layer to the cake for Fraser is their defensive line, which came out of nowhere yeah. and dominated Brownsville. Oh, yeah. And then and Brownsville was a little lackluster down the stretch for sure, but Frazier just came... They they established an identity in the trenches just out of nowhere. Like, they got blown out by Wash Eye, who definitely has an identity in the trenches, and then they just formed one. Yeah. And if they can... And they're... And the only guy they lose is Robert Murphy, who is like over like three hundred pounds. Like he was a he was a man, but they lose him, but everybody else returns. So there's a lot of promise in this Frazier team that they'll possibly even be a playoff team next year. Yeah, I think that's definitely not out of the question. Um, and so much of it has to do, I think, like you said, I I would agree that if California bumps up, that Frazier's a better team than California. If you see some of these Tri-County South teams moving up, it might make it a little easier for Frazier to get a playoff spot. Um, I certainly don't think they're going to they're going to contend with Washington and McGuffey. Um, that's but everybody else like I Frazier South Moreland next year could be a really really interesting game because I think those two teams are in are in that playoff race next year. Yeah, for sure. So, all the right. La- the last two teams though. <laughs> I don't think have a chance at the playoffs. Not in, not a chance in the world. Um, there's just so many questions between these two. So yeah. Um, first all, we have, first off, we have Brownsville who lost to Carmichael's twenty-six nothing. Um, they scored zero points their last two games. Ended the year by losing seven straight, starting with that loss at Washington that we went to. Their two wins came against Beth Center, the only team below them, and an out of conference game against. Actually, no. Yes, an out-of-conference game against Bentworth, a 1A team. Um, that's not really an impressive resume for wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and their win against Beth Center was only by one point. Um, their win against Bentworth was only by six points. So they won their games by a combined total of seven points against two very bad teams. Um, that's not promising. Um, we like Brownsville. Um, we wish they were better, but... It's not looking good. Um, the question is, can the Falcons regain their momentum? Can they regain some of that first quarter magic they had against Washington? 
or we we'll saw t- it for stretches. We saw we saw we, the we saw the final product of the Brownsville Falcons twenty nineteen for glimpses of yeah. this season, and like, and then other parts of the season they're like they just couldn't put all of their team like you could see the puzzle pieces like they're in the box they're ready to be assembled and then we you never saw it it's the full yeah. masterpiece it could have been and i think that loss against i mean i know it's late in the year but that loss against frazier was really devastating it just destroyed all of their positive momentum from early in the year if and they had any. <laughs> it, even that wash high game was like going into the second quarter they were really amped they were like man we're gonna pull this upset at our at our home, yeah. Like they were really, really competing in that game, and then just watching and just destroyed their spirit, and then they were never the same team after that. So yeah. it <laughs> they lose only six senior, five seniors, but they lose Tony Johnson, who was probably the lifeblood of their team, I guess this year. Daniel Grant returns, but he wasn't really that. He wasn't, he, like, early in the year, we were like, Daniel Grant is going to become, like, the horse for this, for this buggy of an offense. <laughs> and, and he never really evolved into that. Now, going into senior year, I wouldn't put it past him to maybe become, like, a, a 500 to 1,000 yard rusher. Yeah. But, like, is that good enough? Is and that I, good enough for, I mean, they're not going to throw the ball. Hunter Side, we, we said going into the year, Hunter Side needs to test his arm. He never did. Well, uh, he did a little bit against <laughs> Frazier, and it didn't work out. And then, um, yeah. The problem with Hunter Saad at quarterback is he just, and we talked about this in our last episodes, he cannot put enough zip on the ball. Um, his arm strength just isn't good enough, and when he throws the ball downfield, it's up for way too long, and the receivers are not athletic enough to make up, go up and j- grab those 50-50 catches. And Brownsville... Um, the, you know, basically their their formula this year was run the ball a lot, and if they're going to pass, it's going to be something downfield. Um, I think they were a little too greedy with their passing game. Um, I don't know if this is a reasonable solution for them, but I think with Hunter Assad, with his skill set, it would have been a little more, a little better to expect maybe some middle of the field passes, some short passes, and it just felt like we did not see that at all from Brownsville. Yeah. So they're just. It felt like they were kind of playing into their own weaknesses in some in some times, and really a disappointing season for them, for sure. I mean, you look at the roster. Like, there's so many talent. There's so much talent here. Like, there's so much to be positive about. But how? Like, if Frazier finished the year winless, we would not be talking about them in the same light that we would. That we would say, like, we wouldn't be calling them a playoff team. But they won three out of their last four. Like Brownsville, there's just not like. Like Brownsville finished the season very uninspired. Like other players were not playing as a team. They were not really excelling. They they were not being competitive. Like they were playing with their heads down. Like I mean, to be fair, they played a brutal schedule. I mean, you look at their out of conference games. You've got Shady Side Academy. Um, you've got Jeanette. That's tough. Um, and of course, you have Washington and Southmoreland and McGuffey and Carmichael's and Charleroi. I really think if you're looking at this, the only game that I would have expected them to win, or maybe that they had a good chance in, was Frazier. And Carmichael's at the end of the year, though. They, that yeah. game should have been much closer than it was. Um, they, like, I, I'm, 
Yeah, down the stretch, but you wanted those games to be closer. Like, they scored 22 points against McGuffey. That game was kind of close, but then losing 63 nothing against Charleroi was... Charleroi's not a good team. and Well, Charleroi's a good team. They're a playoff team, but... Yeah, they're like, not a great team. They're not a 63 That's a strength team. versus a weakness. Like, Brownsville's defense should have held them to less than 63 points. Like, they should have created more pressure on the quarterback, and they didn't. I think when, you're lo- when you lose worse to Frazier than McGuffey, and when you lose worse to Charleroi than Washington, that says a lot. Yeah. Because those are two different tiers of teams right there. And it seems like they're regressing. So, I, yeah, I can definitely see where you're going there. Um, Brownsville's had a tough year, to say the least. Yeah. And then, like, there's... Maybe they get a new culture going there. Um, I think we can talk about this. Brownsville's coach resigned. Um, so, there's... Like, w- with the resignation of their coach, just, like... Maybe they can get a new culture going in there. Like they have the pieces. Like they had the yeah. pieces this year, yeah. and they they just didn't fit together. So everybody on their offensive line is back. Everybody on their defensive line is back. Everybody in the at their linebacker spot is back. So can they just take the next step? I don't think it happens because it takes it takes a year with a new coach to really get it going. Like yeah. you saw them. Not even getting a win last year. Yeah, the Century Interstates improving. Maybe they drop down to the Tri County South. That could definitely help them. That's three instant wins. So yeah, I think <laughs> I think that would be very beneficial to Brownsville. Um, I think if you saw maybe a swap between say, you know, even Jefferson Morgan and Brownsville or California and Brownsville, um, that might be a little bit more realistic for their team next year. Yes. Um, and then Vandal Page returns. He was a guy that was really spirited during the game, and he's a guy that I kind of like, that I really like. Losing Anthony Johnson definitely is tough, though. Yeah. Um, Hunter Sod needs to take the next step, but it could be a very long year for Brownsville if they don't drop into the Tri County South. Yeah. So, but speaking of a oh, long man. year for drown for Brownsville, it might be a longer year for this other team that we're going to talk about. And really, I think we could. Uh, Crown Beth Center is probably the most disappointing team of the year. Um, just really devastating. Um, and they, it's just going to get worse. <laughs> they lost in their final game of the year, 18-19 to to Frazier. And I think that's such a good representation of their entire season. Um, Every man. bad thing that could possibly happen to Beth Center happened to Beth Center. You started a sophomore quarterback game one, and we saw Colby Coons in game one. He wasn't he wasn't terrible. No, he had some um, moments. Like he had moments in that game where he was like, oh, he, he. And then and then game game three, he goes out with an injury, and then they replace him with Andrew Bauer at at quarterback, a senior quarterback, and he played admirably, but at seven touchdowns, twelve interceptions, and there wasn't a lot of guys beside Devin Dingle around him to make plays. Um, the, it, it was just a really unimpressive year for Beth Center, and they made the playoffs last year. They had seven wins. They were at, they were came in. They had they were ranked fourth at the end of the year last year, and then they just tanked this year. It, so it's very disappointing. Yeah. Um, and I just I don't think it was entirely expected. I think with the I mean you know, we they're s- not a supremely talented team, yeah. but I think they underperformed. I think they sh- they definitely 
had chances against Brownsville, Frazier, Carmichael's. Um, maybe they didn't play up to that, but they had chances. I mean, heck, they lost to Charleroi 8-27. That's, I mean, that's not a blowout, you know? If, Yeah, at least in high school football. But it, it, it's a rough season for them. Their only win came against Amani Christian, a non-conference, very weak opponent, 22-14. to um, So they only won by a total of eight points. You know, it's really not what you want to see for a, a, an ex-playoff team. And it's, like you said, it's disappointing going into next year, too. Like, it's the outlook is not all that bright. Yeah. I think I, they could beat Brownsville next year. I think they could potentially beat Frazier. I mean, I don't think it's likely. It's very They're, they're not beating Frazier last year or next year, but they could maybe pull on out against Brownsville. And that's the only team where I'm looking at it and I'm thinking – uh, if if the conference realigns, maybe they play they play Jefferson Morgan and maybe that game's close. Maybe California that game was close this year, so yeah. I don't California with all their losing. I think that's about center win. So like the the going back to our preview for at the beginning of the season, like we came into it and we were like, Beth Center lost so much, but. They still have a lot coming back, and that a lot did not turn into as much as we thought it was, because um, Devin Dangle had under thousand yards receiving, and he was basically the only guy on their offense that was really, that really like he had seven touchdowns. So, and that was way more than anyone else. Um, I mean, that's a good season. <laughs> seven. Yeah. Wait, how many touchdowns did their did their quarterback throw? Um. Well. Yeah, they're, Bauer, they're he threw seven touchdowns, and then Colby Coons threw five early in the year. So, so Devin Dingle had over half the t- offensive, the, yes. the passing yeah. touchdowns <laughs> on their team. Yeah. Um, and then we came into the, the season preview, and we were like, well, this guy, Chris Kramer, is going to be a, a really key part of their offense, and Blaze Vlikos is going to be a key part of their offense. Blaze Vlikos, 102 yards receiving. Chris Kramer, 15 yards receiving. Guys we thought that were going to step up, who stepped up in 2018, did not even show up in 2019. And that was kind of the difference for Beth Center. Their offensive line and defensive line underperformed. And against tough teams, like there's a huge difference between the lines in the in the interstate century and the Tri-County South. So yeah. if Beth Center were to drop down, maybe they'd be a middle-of-the-road team, but... Um, I don't think they're going to drop down. I think they're going to be right where they were at next year, last year. So it's a it's a tough road for a best center. But let's move into our predicted order of finish again. This is definitely going to change. But um, what is your predicted order for the eighth team, Nick Liss Hotzholter? Not too surprising. I've got best center. You just heard our speech about it. Um, we don't need to go into too much detail. Yeah, I have actually have Brownsville at eight. I think best center wins that game next year. Just because of where Brownsville's at, they're going to be in implementing a new system, so we we don't really know what the Falcons are. Um, hopefully they come out more inspired next year. I think if Brownsville is able to be physical on the offense and defensive lines and really push best center around, that is not something we saw as a strength for best center. Um, among many weaknesses, uh, their offense and defensive lines was certainly one of them. I think Brownsville has enough of a... Um, benefit in those areas that they can take number seven which is where i have brownsville um 
again, we've been we've been explaining it. So if you want to hear why, go back and listen. And you have um, at seven Beth Center for sure. Yeah. Um, the we for both of our rankings, we both have the same two teams, each two A up. So like I. So we both have the 7 and 8 team, but they're flipped. We both have the same 5 and 6 team, but they're flipped. We both have the same 3 and 4 team, but they're flipped. And we both have the same 1 and 2 team, but they're flipped. So um, both of our 5 and 6 teams are Carmichael's and Charleroi. I had Carmichael's at 5, you had Charleroi at, or you had Charleroi at 5. Uh, I had Karma, I had Charleroi at 6, and you had Charleroi at 5. So I, I don't think there's really much of a big difference between those two teams just because Charleroi is losing a lot. And Carmichael's is retaining a lot, but Carmichael's needs to find a new quarterback, and Charleroi has to replace a lot of weapons. So, um, you want to explain your picks for those two? Uh, for Charleroi and Carmichael's? Yes. Um, yeah, I do like where Carmichael's is going, for sure. Um, but I'm, you know, we've, we've, seen, we've seen moments of brilliance from Charleroi so far this year. They are a playoff team. They ended number three. I know they're losing a lot of talent, but there's, I think there's a lot of confidence going into that into next year from this year. I don't. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think that Charleroi is going to be like Beth Center and just fall off the face of the map. Um, and I don't think Carmichael's is quite enough of an improvement. But I think I feel the same way as you. Like there is, these teams are very close, and I would not su- be surprised if it was either way. Between three and six, I could see any of those teams finishing third. Yeah. So, um, and those those four teams would be Southmoreland, Fraser, Charleroi, and Carmichael's. Um, for me, I had Southmoreland three, Fraser four, and I think you had the same. Yeah. So, um, Fraser is they're going to be a much improved team if they're going to make the playoffs. The defensive line, which was, it was it didn't it was non-existent in the first six <laughs> yeah. weeks of the season, and all of a sudden it just appeared, and they won three out of their last four. So, if that defensive line suddenly appears again for all ten weeks next year, they're gonna be a playoff team because they're gonna beat Brownsville, they're gonna beat Beth Center, they're gonna. I'm going to say they're going to compete, if not beat, with Charleroi. They have a defensive line. Um, so and they're, they're, they're going to beat Carmichael's because they have Kenny Fine and Carmichael's does not. <laughs> so Yeah, Kenny Fine <laughs> coming back is going to be huge. And we talked about Boggs as well. Um, those two guys. Frazier just has so much returning. Maybe the most... Maybe the most players coming back in terms of influential guys of any of the teams we've been talking about today. There's, there's certainly a case for it. Frazier's going to be in a good spot next year. Here's a question for you. Coming into the season next year, is Kenny Fine alone the most talented player in this conference? Maybe Nate Yeagle gives him an argument. Maybe Jared Johnson gives him an argument. I don't... Isaiah Edwards? I, Isaiah Edwards is a senior. He's graduating. Is he... Yes. Who's, who's the... Michael Allen. Michael Allen. Maybe Michael Allen gives him a strong argument. But I'm... As far as experience, Kenny Fine is the most talented player for me. It's quite possible. Yeah. So, um, we both had Southmoreland 3, though. Because three seniors, and they they played with a lot of freshmen and sophomore. Um, maybe... I think they probably maybe stay at 4. I think Frazier could give him an argument for 3. But I, I'm not willing to say that Frazier jumps from 6 to 3rd. Yeah. So quickly, so that's why I'm yeah. putting Southmoreland there. And Southmoreland, 
They go to the playoffs with only three seniors. Two of those three seniors were very, very important, but they returned their quarterback, so um, it, it could be a big year for Southmoreland if they find those weapons again. And then we had the same top two teams, but in different orders. Um, you had Washington one. I had McGuffey one. You want to explain yourself? Um, I, I think we've talked a lot about Washington's talent. Um, obviously, like I just messed up, we've got Michael Allen coming back. And I guess I'm just confident enough in the, um, in the talent that they're bringing up and their coaching staff and their culture. And I guess the thing that I'm concerned about with, with McGuffey is that receiver position. Because... I wouldn't say that they were particularly great at it this year. Um, but C.J. Cole was an athlete, for sure. He was. And like, they I'm, may not have been able to get the ball to him reliably, but when they did, man, they, it was a real threat. Yeah, and <laughs> I, you need players like that against Washington. You really do. Like You have to have somebody that's going to make a 60-yard touchdown catch um, because Washington's going to do the same thing every year. We've seen them do it every single year. Um and so I, I just, I don't think Southmoreland, or geez, I don't think McGuffey has quite enough support systems to make up for those guys. I know Washington's losing more, but I think they're coming out on top next year. Yeah. Well, it, I think it depends if Wash, what Washington does in the playoffs. If Washington loses in like the Whippeal final, I think McGuffey will probably leapfrog them. But if Washington goes on and just has this really magical run and we see a lot of those younger guys step up, um, obviously there's going to be injuries in the playoffs. So if we see those young guys really step up and succeed, I could change this. So um, we need to end this podcast because it's already too, way too oh, long. Oh, yes. So um, you can follow us on Facebook at the Backyard Football Podcast. You can follow Nathan on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Nathan Grella. I'm releasing a lot of hype videos and stuff for the playoffs and all of that fun, wonderful, juicy content that you folks love. They are awesome. <laughs> I would, I mean, very impressive stuff. He spends a lot of time on it. Give him some credit for it. Yes. <laughs> Please. Um, tomorrow we'll have a podcast coming out, but you will probably already know that by now. Um, previewing the playoff bracket and all that we love about it uh learning lots of new teams um like the avonworth antelopes <laughs> so one of my favorite nicknames oh, yeah. um you can read my stuff on western pa football or anything else guys like peyton charlinger who follow charleroi are very important to us they tell us a lot about the season follow at dar graham for great pictures of around the century interstate um and you can. Am I missing anything? You can go follow us on Castbox and Apple Podcasts, where you're probably listening to this podcast. So hit the subscribe, leave a review, give us a rating. You know all those things that podcasters beg for. So, um, with that said, this has been the Backyard Football Podcast. I'm Nathan, and I'm Nick. See you guys tomorrow. You've been listening to the Backyard Football Podcast. With Nathan Grella, Nick Househalter, and Brock Owens. The Backyard Football Podcast is a member of the Western PA Football Podcast Network. For more information, follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast on Castbox and Apple Podcasts. Thank you.
Thank you for listening, and have a great day. Still here? It's over. Go home. Go.